1: Sports Station, presented by Bett Rivers Sportsbook.
3: Good Saturday morning. Welcome inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, talking baseball, broadcasting live through the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. I am David Hoff, along with Bruce Levine. Today, we are talking, Bruce, about something we haven't talked about in Chicago for 13 long years, an American League Central Division champion in the White Sox, a team suddenly with a a, a little problem with their pitching staff but bigger goals and this morning we will talk about what is ahead for the White Sox short and long term also discussing the Cubs who we heard from Jed Hoyer on Friday at Wrigley Field the long Friday at Wrigley Field for the Cubs swept by the Cardinals who have now won 14 straight and their plans to win the Cubs have plans to win again someday but we start with the White Sox the talk of the town
4: good morning Bruce Good morning, David, and it's always a pleasure every Saturday morning to work with you and Adam and our great staff and the the hundreds of people behind the scenes that make this show what it is every Saturday. We're here with you 52 weeks out of the year talking Chicago baseball at 312-644-6767. And, uh, David, it was a great week for uh, Chicago baseball for the south side of town and, as you mentioned, the uh, clinching of their first division since 2008 and uh, a franchise-establishing record of having gone to the playoffs. Now listen to this. The Chicago White Sox were established in 1901. Through that time, that's 120 years, even with a CPS background that I have, uh, you know, <laughs> education wise, 120 years, maybe 121, depending on which math class I took in seventh and eighth grade uh, years of baseball on the south side with the Chicago White Sox, never having gone to the playoffs two years in a row. Now, we know from 1901 through 1968, there was only winning either the American or National League pennant okay but since 1969 which is a lot of years you know 52 at least uh you know going forward um, the Chicago White Sox had never I repeat never gone to the playoffs two years in a row which wow. is unbelievable and yeah. congratulations to Rick Hahn Kenny Williams uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and all the the great people over the White Sox for accomplishing that and really, David, starting what they had talked about in the summer of 2016, sustained winning on the south side of Chicago, not just a one and done. And the White Sox are on their way to accomplishing that goal over this year, last year, and going forward.
3: That is the idea and that was the goal when they started this rebuild five years ago, the five-year plan. Uh, sustained success was the objective and Rick Hahn the man who started that will be with us at 10 o'clock this morning 10 o'clock appointment radio Rick Hahn the general manager and vice president of the Chicago White Sox will join us to talk about number one how he feels and what's ahead this is step one that was very clear Bruce as we saw in Cleveland on Thursday the celebration I think was muted a little bit a little restrained enthusiasm because the White Sox don't feel like this is the only celebration they're going to have. By design, they have 11 more victories to get, and they have three more celebrations to stage. So Rick Hahn will join us at 10 o'clock to talk about those goals. Also, Bruce, we've got to start here. We'll talk about all of the things that, you know, the, the history that they made and maybe the history that they're about to make. But let's, uh, before we get to those lofty goals and those long-term objectives, in the short term, the narrow focus, last night, they win a game one nothing. That was a great victory for the White Sox. The bullpen came through with seven strikeouts in three and two-thirds innings, but Dylan Cease, who was dealing, all four pitches working, had to leave the game in the sixth inning after being hit by a comebacker by Bradley Zimmer. What do you know about Cease's situation, Bruce, and what that potentially means for the White Sox?
4: So they're calling it a right uh, triceps contusion, okay? The ball as you said, was a comebacker, David, and it struck him hard on the right triceps. Uh, ended up just throwing five and a third innings, coming out, getting x-rays. The x-rays were negative, nothing broken. And uh, you do have a soundbite from uh, Dylan Cease uh, at, uh, your, at your fingertips. So when you're ready, let's, let's go to uh, Dylan Cease talking about uh, how he feels coming out of that game.
5: Hit it back at me, and I wasn't able to get out of the way. Um, If it feels good now, I I don't anticipate on really missing any time. Um, I know I want to make, you know, at least one more start before the postseason. So, Um, yeah, I think, um, I mean, it could have been a lot worse. I think think it's fine.
4: Just where exactly did it strike you?
5: It got me on, like, the, the back of my elbow, or I mean my tricep.
3: Bruce, that's Dylan Cease after the uh, game last night, talking about the comebacker that forced him to leave, as you described. Adrenaline was flowing. I'm sure that he feels right after the injury it's going to be okay. X-rays were negative. There are a lot of reasons for optimism. But I can't help but wonder. I mean, this is immediately after the game. You wonder how he's going to feel when he wakes up this morning.
4: Well, he's going to feel like he's a 13-game winner and one of the top pitchers in the American League. But you're right, David. It is a concern because the White Sox have had a lot of bad luck with injuries. Oh. This is one taking place on the field. Uh, every one of their pitchers um, ha- has had some malady, some situation where they've had to deal with. You know, you start with uh, Giolito and the hamstring, and Lynn with the knee. Um, you know, this situation with Cease. Um, there really hasn't been anything much with uh, Keuchel other than uh, not pitching up to his uh, caliber of ability this year uh, whatsoever, not being able to really match some of the fine pitching that he's done in the in the past. Um, so uh, and then the Rodan situation is a dire one right now, considering he's pitched he's pitched the last two times out. With eight days rest, nine days rest, he's going to have another eight days rest before he either pitches uh, Tuesday or Wednesday next week. Couldn't make it out of, uh, the couldn't get into the fourth inning last time out. It doesn't look good for uh, for Rodon. So, uh, you know, go, moving forward here, the, the, the whole thing is about the, the White Sox starting pitching and their health going into the playoffs beginning October 7th.
3: Allow me a human moment here, though, Bruce. I mean watching the white Sox last night all aside from the the things that look positive about the playoffs and all the things that they have in the roster you're like are you kidding me another injury a freak injury we go back to spring training when Aloy's hanging over the fence and we saw jose abreu who has been hit more than a, a quarterback behind a bad offensive line this year they have had it seems one freak injury after another and you wonder, when was their, when's their bad luck going to run out? Because what happened last night, they just clinched, Cease is dealing, he's looking like the guy that can lock down the number three starter spot in the postseason, and then he gets a comebacker, and not only does it just hit him, it hits him right on the pitching elbow. How does that
4: happen? It's called sports, David. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they this is Crazy. not a video game. They're, believe it or not, for a lot of people that watch baseball – on the at bat app and other apps. Uh, they actually play the games out there. They go on for three 345 or four hours sometimes. And right. things happen out on the field. And uh, and I think that's the fascinating part. Uh, we I have a whole list of negative things about the possibilities with the White Sox, but one thing that you underline and you go forward with is that this team has persevered and done what they have to do to get to this point. And I don't think you can make a bigger point of that than what it is because they have advanced for the most of the year without Robert, without Jimenez. Um, The Jimenez contribution is nice, but it hasn't been really impactful at all uh, this season. So to be able to do this with all the injuries they've had and to persevere through and get the job done – regardless of whether that division is a lesser division or not, they should be saluted for that. Thank you, Bruce, for reeling me
3: back in because you're right. As they celebrated Thursday on the field in Cleveland, a city that has been pretty good to Chicago sports lately. But <laughs> as they celebrated, the mark of that Sox team, the identity, if you will, after uh, you know all these months of, of winning and persevering, it's a resilient bunch. They will come back from this. They will figure out a way. They have come back from the alloy injury from Adam Engel. Robert, you go down the list, and they have recovered and rebounded nicely, and you expect them to do it again. And so let's focus on the positives. And one of those last night, the bullpen, the much kind of maligned lately bullpen. Uh, You you have a bunch of relief pitchers that have been a cause for concern. I think Ozzie Guillen told us on Mullion Hall the other day, that he didn't trust anybody not named Liam Hendricks. And you understood why that kind of skepticism existed, Bruce. But last night they went to Ryan Burr in a pinch, and then Craig, then uh, Aaron Bummer, Craig Kimbrell, and Liam Hendricks locking it down with a one, two, three, ninth. But the most significant, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe you disagree, Craig Kimbrell looking like he did last night bodes
4: well for the White Sox. You needed to see him do what he did three punch outs and looking like the guy that was the most dominant closer in baseball uh, that he was with the Cubs before the trade at the end of July. Uh, Again, falling into that role and accepting that role and bringing the adrenaline and the attention span he needs in that role has been essential to get to this point. You hope David, as you point out so very well, that this is a turning point for that bullpen, because if it is, You have those power arms and Tapura coming back next week uh, to make what could be, you know, okay, if your starters only go five, you have the potential to shut down the other team the rest of the way with this, uh, on paper, outstanding bullpen.
3: Bruce, I looked at Thursday, and what I will remember most about the Sox clincher because, let's face it, they they kind of clinched this back in July. They went 20 games over 500 I think, in July 18th, and it really hasn't been a race since they took first place over back on May 7th, I believe. But Tim Anderson hitting two home runs, he was tired of waiting. He came out, attacked uh, early, hit the home run in the, with the leadoff homer, and then, and then everything else fell into place. I'll remember that. I wonder, though, you know, when you look at the the sigh of relief almost, it was as much relief as it was resolved from the White Sox on Thursday. What will you remember about that clinching moment and how it kind of now gives the Sox a chance to exhale and maybe recharge and reload?
4: So what it reminded me of, David, and, and, and a very excellent question by you, is that Tim Anderson is the lifeblood of that offense. And that when he was out, or he was playing at 75% for the last 30 to 40 days, that the White Sox offense many times has gone in the toilet and how essential he is to this team winning. Just the vibe that he brings when he's healthy out there, showing that great baseball athleticism at shortstop and leadoff man, the potential to hit a home run, the potential to get a single, the potential, more importantly, to energize that team and bring it up to a peak level early in a ball game. Uh, that is the essential part of, for me, the White Sox going in to postseason play and being uh, ready to go to put some runs on the board early against uh, these other teams. I, I think Tim Anderson's the most important player on the Chicago White Sox moving into postseason play. I think that's a good point because he
3: also. Is the guy you're you're happy for because of all that he's been through and and the type of identity that we talked about the White Sox being resilient and having that kind of resolve, you know you you think to Jose Abreu certainly he came over rookie uh, in in 2014 we know what he endured to get here to America and then to the White Sox but lest anybody forget Tim Anderson was a first round draft pick of the 2013 MLB draft of the White Sox and he has. Lived through a lot of losing, and he has persevered himself. And he is representative of all the White Sox have gone through as this arc has continued to get to where we are now. So happy for Lebray, you happy for the Sox, and certainly the triumvirate, as you mentioned, Rick, Kenny, and Jerry, Tony Larusa as well. But Tim Anderson—that's where it all starts. He is the catalyst or the
4: igniter, as Tony Larusa dubbed. Right. But take take it a step further, David. Think back to uh, three years ago when uh, he had that dust up with the, the with the Royals, and uh, the first time he tossed that back, that the bat, and the the way that he stood up and said, "This is going to be Chicago White Sox baseball from yep. here on out, and I am going to show my energy, show my joy, and be Tim Anderson in and this team." is going to be a good team and we're going to go out there and kick your butt. And I, I, at the time, I had (laughs) as difficult a time of accepting that as many people did. Yeah. And as it turned out, it was the most important turnaround for the Chicago White Sox and their ability to look at themselves as a winner uh, that has ever happened in recent history. And the reason it was successful is because Tim Anderson has continued to not only be good, but get better and better at what he does on offense and defense uh, throughout this rebuild that the White Sox have been on.
3: Well, he adopted a swagger for the team before they had earned it, and that was the thing that kind of rubbed some people the wrong way. But love him or hate him, he is who he is, and they are who they are. And you don't have to embrace all that comes with the White Sox, but you have to respect the team that instilled and adopted this bat mentality and then backed it up. And that's what the White Sox did. And Thursday was confirmation of that. That is, you know, again, they're not done yet. But what they accomplished for the first time in 13 seasons, Bruce, it's a much different time now and it's much different – Setting and and 2008 seems like a very long time ago, even though you want to get out your black White Sox fans because the blackouts are back in the playoffs. You can wear them just like you did back in 2008. But Bruce, this is a, a, a team that is accomplishing everything that they thought was possible back when Tim Anderson flipped his bat for the first time and everybody looked at him and said, What's he doing? Well, you know what? Now we know. Now we know a little bit better.
4: I love athletes and guys of special talent that can talk the talk and walk the walk. And it's an overused term, but in this case, Tim Anderson has brought out his innermost Muhammad Ali, not really knowing exactly that he was doing that at the time. But it's like, I'm in your face. I'm going to beat you. We're going to show joy. And I'm not afraid to express it. And to me, it's one of the more important turnarounds for the Chicago White Sox franchise uh, in in their recent history. And I, I just, you know, I love the player and the individual that Tim Anderson is. And thank you, Tim Anderson, for taking a, an older baseball type like myself and bringing him into this century and this decade and this era of White Sox baseball because I had to be pulled into it, and uh, thank you, Tim, for doing it.
3: And, Bruce, isn't it
4: ideal that the White
3: Sox went out and they got a closer that sort of epitomized everything that they are as a team? Now, sure, certainly, Liam Hendricks has the stuff. He has the stuff to be – among the best closers in baseball. And if he didn't say a word and if he was sedate and stoic, he would still be the same effective reliever. But his personality has fit so seamlessly into that clubhouse and into this identity as a team that we we praise Tim Anderson for creating that. But boy, has Liam Hendricks fit into
4: that so well. Yeah, no doubt about it. A, a great personality. And it's a team full of interesting personalities. You know, you have the... You know, the, the guys like uh, Eloy uh, with, a, with a great personality. You have uh, people on the pitching staff like Lance Lynn who exude personality and uh, in-your-face type performance. It's it's a group of uh, players that have really meshed together from all different walks of life and have really brought um, the, the South Side together in, in a way that hasn't been done for a long time. Look, uh, they could be... It could be three or three games and out in the playoffs this year, and it would be, you know, finger pointing would be going on all over the place. I think it's been a tremendously successful season so far.
3: And let's get back to the matter at hand. You know, last year, after they clinched a playoff spot, let's face it, they exhaled. They went into a lull that lapsed carried into the postseason, and and frankly, that's why they felt like they needed to make a change. They've been very open about saying they can't have that happen again last night last night was a a fair reminder bruce or a good indicator that maybe they're very aware of that and they don't want to have that that sharp edge dulled at all because it's very difficult aside from the cease injury and all the things that that may imply that was a tight game that the white Sox won when you win one nothing you know 48 hours after you're popping champagne that says something about the focus of a team that understands the way it must go into this postseason, the way that they didn't go into October last
4: year. It was a reminder of uh, white Sox baseball back in 2005 as well, where one run was enough many times because of how good their pitching was. And you can talk, talk about the lineups and you can talk about run production and home runs and uh, you know, a lot of that value, but it, it, it's all with the starting pitching and the bullpen And you saw the best examples of that in a dominant performance from Cease for five and a third innings and then the bullpen shutting down the Indians the rest of the way. That was playoff caliber baseball last night. That's the type of baseball you would expect in postseason games because runs might be hard to come by when you're facing some of the best teams and the best pitching in baseball in the playoffs. Bruce,
3: we have a lot of Sox fans who are excited about what's going on. We want to hear from them. 312-644-6767. Rick Hahn coming up at ten o'clock. But let's go now to the score listener line, who is which is powered by BetQL. Bet Smarter. Beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Mike is in Glencoe. Good morning. Mike, welcome inside the clubhouse.
1: Good morning, guys. And Bruce, I think you mentioned it a second ago. My concern is Eloy. Last year the league caught up to him. He made the adjustments. This year, the league's caught up to him again. He hasn't made the adjustments. Uh, it's a big hole in the lineup. He's hitting, what, 230, um, and he's doing crazy things in left field. Is this a short-term problem for the White Sox? Are they looking at him differently for next year? What should we expect in the future with Deloitte?
4: Well, I think, you'll, I think next year you're going to see the same excellent hitter that he's been his whole career from the minor leagues into the major leagues. Uh, the adjustment, and uh, David, I may be wrong on this, but I've talked to a few people about it. I think it's a matter of uh, just getting back your legs under you. I don't think his legs have been there after sitting out uh, four straight months. I, I just don't think that... Uh, he's done everything he can to, to keep in condition. His outfield play has actually been pretty good. Uh, if they can keep him away from the walls, that's the key. Uh, but uh, I just don't see the legs under him in his swing. In other words, I haven't seen that power stroke. Not not even talking about home runs. I'm talking about the way the ball flies off his bat uh, for singles or fly balls or just line drives. It's just, it's not there yet. So, Uh, I don't think his legs have been under him. Uh, I hope uh, that it continues to to grow here over the next week or 10 days. And and he could be a guy that, uh, like any of those great hitters on the team, carries the team in the playoffs. But uh, I just don't think we've seen that guy yet, except for maybe the first week or 10 days when he came back from his injury initially.
3: But bingo, Bruce, you hit it there. Aloy still has the capability. If he gets hot in October, and he is one of probably six or seven guys in that batting order that you could say this about, but if Aloy gets hot in October, he can carry the Sox for two, three, four games at a time, and in October that means something because that will create a legacy for you, not just carry your team, but, boy, you could make some history along the way. So I think that that is – Fun to consider. We will consider all sorts of possibilities with the White Sox. Continue to talk about the rebuild. Rick Hahn at 10 o'clock. But you know what? They are the finished product. The Cubs, they want to figure out how to get back to that point. Jed Hoyer addressed that Friday at Wrigley Field. We'll hear from him next on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
2: put the spring back into your step and into your home too. shop blinds.com right now and save up to 45% up to 45% off for a limited time at blinds.com blinds.com rules and restrictions may apply selling a little
0: or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business at Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
5: With everything you never I mean, listen, like you never want to ignore a piece of information. So we have ten more games. And both for the players and for the coaching staff, I think you kind of you want to take every piece of information in, but I think I think it goes for um, you know for him and then for the guys. Like I think you get to this point, you have a pretty good feel for things. But yeah, like I said,
3: you're going to keep watching. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy The Score. I am David Hogg with Bruce Levine until eleven o'clock. That was the voice of Cubs President Jed Hoyer talking Friday at Wrigley Field about the future for the Cubs with the Cardinals in town. Cardinal sweep a doubleheader. Bruce. 14 victories in a row. That's a team record for St. Louis. Last time that happened was 1935, the Gas House Gang Days. I think Leo DeRocher was the shortstop on that Cardinals team. Goodness sakes, that was a long time ago. So the Cubs have the, the unfortunate reality of watching their rival be as the hottest team in baseball right in front of them. They go for victory 15 in a row today with John Lester, of all people, on the mound. Tough time for the Cubs, Bruce. Judd Hoyer talked about how they get out of the hole that they have dug for themselves. What did you make of what Jed had to say yesterday?
4: Well, first I want to mention the doubleheader yesterday. The the second game of the doubleheader was, I thought, embarrassing. I, I just feel that, um, uh, the Cardinals were digging in and and taking big hacks and parading around like it was a little league game, uh, beating the, uh, the, the the team from the, the next suburb over, and I just uh, I, I just had a hard time watching that. I think the Cubs have been tremendously competitive, even when losing all year long. I don't think that was a competitive game, that second game, so th- there's there's a lot of work to be done there, and we know they need uh, new talent uh, to go along with some of the talent that they have right now, but I just had to say that that, that game stuck in my craw. I asked Ross after the game whether or not uh, the Cardinal hitters were too comfortable in there, and he said, I don't think that's the problem, and he left it at that. So I, I just wanted to, leave, to bring that up, David, because uh, that, that was, that, that, that was uh, more about what, how far the, the Cubs yep. have to go in the yep. future. So as far as uh, dealing with the future, Jed Hoyer did talk to us in the media yesterday about a few different subjects. Where would you want to be, that to begin?
3: Well, you're, at, you're, you're good in pointing out the slippage that they cannot tolerate, and I think to fix that, they need to approach professional, professional Major League Baseball players with a competitive edge, and that means spending some money. And Jed talked yesterday about how aggressive the Cubs plan to be in free agency.
5: We plan to be really active in free agency. We plan to, you know, spend money intelligently. I think that's probably the, the, the easiest way I can say it. Um, you know, um, Obviously, we're scouting that, that market heavily. We're going to analyze that market, you know, uh, heavily. And, you know, there's, there's off-seasons when, um, you know, free agency is something that you do a, a little bit of. And, obviously, this year, you know, we have to, you know, we're going to you know, probably be a little bit more active than usual um, to fill out our roster because we have a lot more open spots. Um, but, yeah, I think that's the best way to say it. Like, um, you know, obviously, we're going to be active in free agency, but we want to
4: do it in a thoughtful, intelligent way. They've got you, don't they, Bruce? Uh, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Robbie Ray, uh, where do you want to go? I know, um, you know, it's not like the Cubs, if they pinpoint some of these veterans like that, and I'm not saying those are the guys, but why not start there? Um, Just having an ace like one of those three guys on your staff starts to change the whole dynamic. When when you have a number one to go along with Hendricks and he's not carrying the load all by himself, that, that changes the dynamic right, right there and then. I'm not saying that makes him into a playoff contender, but that's a big step moving forward if you make that type of a big signing in free agency. I'll
3: take Nick Castellanos and not have to worry about the edge and my team not being competitive because I don't think that he would let that happen. Trevor Story would be another good place to start. It all starts with pitching. It is pitching, pitching, pitching. But I also believe you have to go after position players that that are you know, uh, in, in the price range that they're talking about and the Cubs can afford. And f- frankly, can they afford not to go after these kind of players?
4: All right, so let's just say it's uh, Ray, Castellanos, and um, Story. Are you a playoff team competitive with milwaukee and st louis next year yes or no yes yes you are the st louis cardinals were where you were back in july
3: i don't know you look at their talent and is there a big difference of what the cubs had or what you just described the cubs could be competitive for a wild card spot with adding the three players that you mentioned because they are the potential to to change the arc of your season so i think you could conceivably think that you have to think that you're in chicago you have an obligation to be competitive year in and year out i think and that is what the isn't that why david ross came here bruce why he took the job he could not be he couldn't have been pleased to go in this direction back
4: in july i just added 75 million to your payroll with three names uh If Jed Hoyer is driving off the road right now, I understand your angst. And, Jed, I'm sorry, but, uh, you know, this is uh, the Chicago baseball uh, show in town, and we do have to talk about these things. So I know we can go into Mr. Rickett's pocket and into uh, uh, Jed Hoyer's payroll that he's given at the beginning of the year. But uh, that is the type of – type of thing well, that if if you're if you're looking for a short and long-term answer that's that's probably a good beginning. The reality is that the Cubs
3: shed payroll almost to that amount to get to this point. The reality is is that when free agency begins, they still may be cleaning confetti off of Michigan Avenue because the White Sox will have been celebrating a World Series title in this town where the Cubs used to own. So I think that those are things you have to consider when you're talking about the Cubs and free agency. Another thing, Bruce, we have to consider David Ross, his future. You have some information. What do you expect for David Ross in the future of the Cubs?
4: Well, when we asked Hoyer about uh, David Ross, he was a little reticent yesterday, except by not being reticent, saying what a fabulous job he's done, and and that is the key to the my next piece of information, which is has been substantiated that David Ross is in line to get an extension, and it probably could come as early as uh, the first few days or first week after uh, the season ends here because of the, the way that uh, the ownership, uh, the business office, and most importantly, the baseball office view Ross as an organization man, not just as a manager. Uh, what did David Ross say last week that indicated that? He said, as soon as the season's over, I want to go to Arizona and watch – um, instructional league, and I want to watch uh, our Cub players in the Arizona Fall League. What manager says that right away after his season ends, especially a clunky season where you had a contending team in the first half and you had a, a all-time losing team in the second half? And this guy's enthusiasm and desire to, to get smarter and be better has never waned, so Am I in agreement that an extension and a pretty long-term one for David Ross is in line? Absolutely. I don't know what your take is on it, David. Well,
3: I think that he uh, is owed that almost, Bruce, because of what he has had to endure. And he has not done anything that would raise questions about his ability to lead a winning team. Now, this is a rebuilding team, and there are differences. But I don't think that David Ross has been exposed by any degree because of his inexperience managing or whatever. I think he is the right guy for this job. Jed Hoyer has referred to him in the past as a star. I don't know if he's a star manager yet. I like what I see. But Jed, as far as he could have gone yesterday when you guys talked to him, he was very positive about the future of David Ross.
5: Short answer, I'll say I think he's been fantastic and I, I love working with him. I think that's you know, probably more end of the season. You know, a week from now, I, you guys can you know, fire all those questions at me. I think there's a lot of questions that, you know, can probably, like, wait till then. You know, it feels like we got ten more games. But, um, I mean, the short answer is, you know, like I said, I love working with him. Um, you know, obviously it's been a trying year for a lot of reasons, and I think he's done a, a really wonderful job in this last two months of keeping these guys playing hard. And I think that's a, that's a testament to him and the respect they have for him.
3: So, Bruce, and you it, think the- yeah. A couple of days Go after ahead, the season, David. do you think that would be the timing? Uh, where, I don't we... see
4: why not. I mean, yeah. if, if you want to start setting the tone for what your future is, David, and the idea that this is your manager of the future, this is, along with Hoyer, the face of the baseball operations of the Chicago Cubs, there's no good way to say it. And at this point, I'll just segue in by saying uh, sources have indicated uh, that the Cubs are very close uh, within the next month or so, maybe before for sure, uh, the GM meetings in November and the end of uh, the World Series to hiring a general manager. Uh, Jed Hoyer last winter uh, told uh, us guys who uh, cover the team on a regular basis that um, uh, because of COVID, he wasn't able to spend time with uh, a baseball process of interviewing people and spending a lot of time with them and that he was going to hold off hiring his general manager. Well, we can tell people that the process is on the the way right now. The Cubs have interviewed uh, candidates uh, in general and uh, maybe at a little bit deeper level and that uh, a general manager to work with uh, Jed Hoyer is not far away either. So that's another addition to the Chicago Cubs that's essential for going forward in uh, how they're restructuring themselves for the future.
3: Okay, Bruce, I'm a news guy, so the bullet points here today. Number one, Jed Hoyer is committed to spending whatever's necessary to make the Cubs competitive in the offseason. Number two, he's committed to David Ross with a contract extension that should be forthcoming within days after the season ends. And number three, within the next three weeks or so, maybe month the, the Cubs are committed and they're planning to hire a general manager. Does that kind of summarize? What That's you how it looks yesterday?
4: That's yeah. how it looks Hoyer did not talk about uh, the general manager. And uh, when it was brought up, he, uh, he declined to talk about it, but uh, you know, from other sources around baseball able to discern that uh, the, the Cubs are not sitting on their hands at this point and interview process is on the way.
3: Before we break, Bruce, real quick, and this will segue into our next topic, do you think that Jed Hoyer or the Cubs organization, Tom Ricketts even, would feel the pressure from the White Sox winning if they won it all or they get to the ALCS and come close? Do you think that has any effect on the way the Cubs do business?
4: You know, my initial gut feeling is no, but then uh, my uh, business instinct says yes, okay? Uh, I don't think. Cub fans in particular care about what the White Sox are doing. Um, I always thought White Sox fans wanted the Cubs to lose more than Cub fans wanted the White Sox to lose. But that aside, which, which is really irrelevant, um, I don't think the Cubs worry about the White Sox, but they worry about satisfying their corporate sponsors, their corporate buy-ins. Their television market, uh, the way that they've had 22,000 season tickets for uh, a good number of years and a long waiting list for season tickets, uh, those things are essential business um, areas that the Cubs have been one of the most successful organizations in all of sports, and they don't want to give that up, and they don't want to diss the people that have supported them. So... I think they are just as intent on putting a winning product out there as anybody is. The way they go about it, uh, they haven't been all that verbal about it since, until we heard yesterday from uh, Hoyer about the fact that they will spend and they'll do it judiciously to uh, bring in free agents that make sense for for now and the future. I think that's the first good sign for Cub fans that they've heard since uh, all of those all-star players were traded back in July.
3: Theo Epstein arrived in 2011. The Cubs had a World Series championship in 2016. Five years ago in 2016, December, the White Sox traded Chris Sale. That announced their rebuild. Will they be celebrating in 2021? What was your favorite part of the rebuild? What was the most significant move the Sox made? We will discuss that next as we get ready for Rick Hahn at 10 o'clock here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
1: Jerry and I were just talking on our way down from the clubhouse about when we first started this rebuild or put in the plans in place for the rebuild five years ago. One of the things he mentioned and, you know, quite frankly, lamented was the fact that this club has never gone on an extended run of success. And and that if we were going to do this, if we were going to, you know, go down to the brass tacks and rebuild this organization, it had to be with the end goal being of putting ourselves in position to win multiple championships.
3: Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7, The Score. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine. That was the voice of Rick Hahn talking after the celebration Thursday, the White Sox AL Central Division champions for the first time since 2008, Bruce. And it was December 6, 2016. Chris sailed to the Red Sox. Yohan Mankata, Michael Kopek came back in return with a couple other prospects. And I was working at the Tribune at the time, and this is what I wrote about Rick Hahn that day. For anybody still wondering, by the way, this move unofficially announced the independence of Hahn as the baseball executive charting a new course for the Sox. Rebuilding fits Hahn's methodical personality much more than Kenny Williams. This bold move suggests the Sox plan to remake the franchise involved more research than reaction rooted in patience more than impulse. This is Rick Hahn's deal, Bruce, more than anybody else. He is the architect. Would you agree with that?
4: Not sure about that. Uh, because, um, although Rick's, uh, idea about, um, getting younger and, um, and rebuilding is, is true. There's, there's no doubt about it. Probably wanted to do it earlier, uh, than, than 2016, uh, Kenny Williams and, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf are just as essential to uh, what goes on with the Chicago White Sox on a daily basis. So separating the three for me is almost impossible to do. I think it's uh, the old uh, term that we've heard lockstep when it comes to the Chicago White Sox, because it's it's not done without Williams and uh, Reinsdorf agreeing to it. Okay. Uh, so it, Rick gets a tremendous amount of credit for having the foresight in all of this, but it's, it's not done without uh, the other two being involved. Yeah, that's
3: fair. I I think it always takes that kind of collaboration, but I do think that um, it's, it's a a fun debate and it's one that you can have when the white Sox are winning, which is a a lot more uh, desired than the alternative. And you know, who would be best to address all these things? The man himself, Rick Hahn, the architect, one of the architects of the 2021 AL Central Division Champions. He will join us next here on Inside the Clubhouse at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score.
2: (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too